G'day, my name is Jeff. It's my privilege to continue to look with you at Luke's Gospel today, chapter 8, verses 4 to 21, the famous parable of the soils. Can I encourage you to have your Bible open, preferably a paper one, so you're not distracted by your phone. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 21. Let's read it together, think about what it means and what it means for us as Jesus' disciples on this side of his life, death and resurrection. Let's, uh, let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his wonderful powerful teaching. We pray, Heavenly Father, you help us to understand what he says today. We pray that you will give us hearts ready to deeply receive your word and put it into practice in our lives and bear fruit. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I love Banksia trees. I love banksia trees. I love the leaves on them. I love the, 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 the spines. I love the, the flowers. I love the twisted trunks. I like all kinds of banksia trees. I, I love the, uh, the integrifolia. I love the serrata and the robur and the spinulosa. I, I like the trees. I like banksia shrubs. I like the banksia ground cover. I've always wanted to have banksias growing in my garden. Unfortunately, however, for me, there's a problem. Banksias grow in sandy soil, soil that drains very easily. And the soil at my place is all gluggy clay. Tried all kinds of tricks. Uh, as I've planted banksia after banksia at my place, uh, I've tried all kinds of tricks. I've treated the soil, I've added sand, tried a number of different banksia species. I'm now up to 17. 17 banksias that I've planted at home 17 banksias that I've killed. Why? Well, possibly because I'm a shocking gardener. But more specifically, because at my place, we have the wrong soil. We have the wrong soil. Now, as we come into Luke chapter 8 and verse 4, Lots of, lots of people are gathering around Jesus, no doubt looking for healing and for miracles, also to be impressed by the, the power of his teaching. And now, for the first time, Luke tells us, uh, tells us that Jesus uses a parable. Jesus tells a story which on the surface is a gardening story, a bit like the story I just told you about Banksia's. This story that Jesus tells on the surface, it's about a farmer and some seed and some different soils. But it's a parable. The story has another meaning. In the story, a farmer sows some seed. It falls onto four different kinds of soil and it meets four very different fates. Seed that lands on the soil on the path is stomped on and eaten by birds. A seed that lands on the shallow soil with rock underneath, it quickly withers. A seed that lands on soil with thorns in it is, is, is choked by the thorns. But the seed that lands on good soil produces a bumper crop. Luke chapter 8 and verse 4. Have a look with me. Luke chapter 8 and verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. 
Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And Jesus then challenges the crowds. He challenges them to listen carefully to his story. This story is more than meets the eye. It has a deeper meaning. It requires further investigation. Otherwise, you'll never really understand what Jesus is talking about. The end of verse 8, when he had said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Well, Jesus' disciples, they do what Jesus suggests. They try to listen carefully. They, they, they investigate further. And they, what they do is they ask Jesus for more information. They ask him to reveal to them the, the, the deeper meaning behind the parable. And before he does that, Jesus talks about the reason, the reason why he's teaching in parables. Jesus says that he's teaching in parables because it divides people. Some people, like the disciples, people who are attached to Jesus, people who, who, people who have ears to hear, they will think hard about a parable. They will ask Jesus to help them understand. And from the parable, they will learn truths about God's kingdom. But people, like I guess most of the people in the crowds, people who just come to be healed, people who don't want to attach themselves to Jesus, people who, who don't want to listen carefully, people with hard hearts, well, all they'll hear is a cute farming story, a story about farming or gardening or, or, or something like that. They, they, they won't learn truths about God's kingdom from the parable. Jesus quotes from Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 is talking about uh, hundreds of years before Jesus came and God sent the prophet Isaiah to an Israel that was very hard-hearted. And, and he sent Isaiah with a message that would serve to harden their hearts more. Well, that's what a parable will do for someone who won't soften their heart to Jesus and listen carefully. They'll end up understanding nothing. Verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said... The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that, quoting Isaiah, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. And then Jesus tells his disciples the meaning of the parable. The seed, the seed is God's word. That's the good news of what, uh, uh, who Jesus is and what he's done, the, the message of his life, death and resurrection for our salvation. Verse 11 this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And then the different kinds of soil, they represent different kinds of people. With some people, the message about Jesus, it just bounces off them. They're not interested. Jesus says the devil snatches the message away so that they don't put their faith in Jesus and they aren't saved. They aren't Rescued from God's anger on judgment day. Verse 12. Those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. With some people, uh, they, they like the sound of the message about Jesus. 
Maybe they think it's going to help them to have a, a nice life or something like that. But they don't get a deep grasp of the message. They don't realise its eternal significance. And so when they face persecution or suffering or trouble, they will give up on Jesus. Verse 13. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. With other people, they hear the message and, and they believe it, but life gets busy. They worry about family and money and work and houses and hobbies and stuff. And the message about Jesus, it gets it gets crowded out of their lives they don't really they don't really thrive they don't really develop as christians it, it doesn't make much difference to their lives their faith their their relationship with jesus it's, it's it's stunted and ultimately it's it's choked out by the stuff of this life verse 14 the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear but but as they go on their way they are choked by life's worries riches and pleasures and they do not mature But then with some people, they listen to the message about Jesus, they realise this is the most important thing there is, and they build their lives around trusting Jesus and living for him. They let God's word go deep into their hearts, deep into their lives. They spend their lives patiently loving and serving Jesus. Verse 15, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Well, next, Jesus changes the image slightly. Instead of being a seed, the gospel message is now compared to a light. God is shining the light of the gospel into the world. He's not sowing the seed of the gospel. Now he's shining the light of the gospel. And Jesus says he's not shining this light into the world so the world will remain in darkness. He's shining the light of the gospel into the world to bring everything to light. That, that's the purpose of shining a light, to make things visible. At the last day, the light of God's gospel will shine into every corner. It will shine into every heart. Every secret will be revealed. And the kind of soil that you are will be made clear for all to see. The way that you have responded to Jesus will be made clear for all to see. It will be ex exposed. You can pretend all you like, but the truth will come out. The light of the gospel will make it clear. Verse 16, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. It will all be exposed, disclosed, known, brought out into the open. On the last day, it will be perfectly clear. The kind of soil that you are will be shown for all to see. And so Jesus says again, Listen carefully. 
Do, do what the disciples are doing. Attach yourself to Jesus. Find out more, because like he has just done with the parable of the soils, Jesus will give more. He, he will give you what you need to know. He will give you everything you need to know to be saved. He'll keep growing you. He'll give you everything until that last day. But if you're like so many in the crowds there that day, people who are half listening, well, you'll lose everything. Verse 18. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more, like the disciples were. But whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. In our last scene today, Jesus' family come to, to see him. Crowds are all around, like they can't get access to him. But the message gets through to Jesus that his family are there. And what he does, he uses the opportunity to teach the same thing one more time. He says, it's the people who listen. The people who listen carefully to God's message. The people who take it to heart and who act on it. They're the people who are his true family. Verse 19. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. And then I guess from there, Jesus may or may not have gone to see his family. It doesn't say, but what's important is the lesson. People who hear and take to heart and act on the message of the gospel are God's true family. Okay, can you see what's here in this section in Luke chapter 8? Jesus tells the parable of the, the seed falling into four soils, and he calls on people, listen carefully. Uh, the disciples ask him the meaning of the parable. Jesus explains, firstly, why he's teaching in parables. It divides those who listen and, and, and will attach themselves to him and, and will want to know more. Divides those who listen from those who don't. And then he explains the parable. The seed is the gospel. The soils are four different kinds of people who, who respond differently to the gospel. Jesus then says, the gospel is like a light that shines it will expose everything. It will expose the kind of soil that you are. It will expose your response to Jesus. And so again, Jesus calls on people, listen carefully. And then the last scene, uh, where Jesus' family are looking for him, Jesus says, again, it's those who listen, those who listen to God's word and put it into practice who are his true family. Well, the application of this passage to us is pretty clear, isn't it? It's all about how we respond to Jesus, how we respond to the message of his life and death and resurrection for our salvation. We need to be, we need to be good soil. We need to listen to the message about Jesus. We need to retain it we need to let it take deep root in our lives. We need to not let it be crowded out by the stuff of this life. We need to live, live our lives fruitfully for Jesus. And so, 
the question that we need to ask ourselves, the question that this passage leaves us with, is a very simple question. We need to ask ourselves, what kind of soil am I? What kind of soil am I? Important question, because the light of the gospel will expose it on the last day. There's no point hiding or pretending. We need to ask ourselves seriously, what kind of soil am I? So what kind of soil are you? Are you like the hard path? You hear the message, but you never listen. I've seen this happen with many people, sadly, over the years. Uh, maybe you come to church because you're trying to um, uh, please your husband or your wife, but you're not really interested. Uh, maybe you come to church because your mum and dad make you come to church, but you don't want to listen. It's boring. You, you, you've heard it all before. In these last few weeks, I've spoken at a number of, of weddings and funerals. And, you know, you can see the hard-hearted people. It's, it's, it's pretty clear. Uh, maybe they're staring straight ahead, consciously avoiding my eyes, obviously annoyed at what they're hearing. I remember one family that... Uh, used to come to our church uh, many years ago as a mother and her son. And uh, she was quite elderly in her 70s, 80s, and, and he was probably about my age. So then, then I reckon probably in about his 40s. Um, they'd been coming to church for years before, before I came here. And they kept coming to church while I was here, but I don't think they heard a single thing I said. I don't think a single thing that I said went in. I, I remember one time the church was only pretty small at the time, about 40 people or so, and, and this man and his mum, they fell asleep during the sermon with their heads on each other's shoulders, both loudly snoring in the middle of the service. I remember one lady who came to church for a baptism. Um, her phone rang during the sermon. I mean, that's embarrassing enough as it is. But then she, 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 she took out a phone, she took the call, and she talked loudly in Mandarin for a couple of minutes. In her seat didn't even go anywhere, in her seat, in front of everyone, chatting away in Mandarin. Are you hardened soil? Are you not listening? Are you not letting the message about Jesus into your mind? Friend, if that's you, I, I have to warn you, you are in great danger. The devil would love nothing more than to take God's word away from you, to take God's word away from your heart so that you never believe in Jesus and so that you will not be saved from God's anger on judgment day. And friend, that is something that you will regret forever. Please, please, please do not be hardened soil. Listen, for whatever reason you're here, whether it's to please your parents or please your husband or wife, or whatever reason you're here to make friends, whatever reason you're here, don't be hard and soil. Listen carefully to the message about Jesus. Or maybe you're like the shallow soil with, with hard rock underneath. You have a faith in Jesus. You think he's pretty impressive. You'd like him to help you. Bless you, make your life better, answer your prayers, and if there's a heaven, take you there. It all sounds good. 
but your faith doesn't have deep roots. You haven't really grasped who Jesus is. You haven't really grasped what's at stake. You don't recognize that Jesus is your eternal king and judge. You don't realize the extraordinary lengths to which he has gone in dying on the cross and rising for you so that you can be forgiven and offered a place in God's eternal kingdom. You haven't grasped that, that, that what Jesus offers is just so much more valuable than anything in this life. It was so much more valuable than everything in this world put together. You haven't really grasped who Jesus is and what he has done and what is at stake. And so if Jesus doesn't give you the life that you want, you'll give up. I remember having lunch with a bloke a couple of years ago. I asked him a question that I often ask people. I asked, do you, I asked him, do, do you feel like Jesus loves you? And he said, yeah, definitely. I said, well, what is it that makes you feel that way? And in response, he told me, told me how well his life was going how well his business was going, how great his kids were, the, the beautiful house and car and all the toys that, that, that God had given him. Uh, I mean, of course, all the good things we have are from God and, and it's good to be thankful and they are, they are just his, his blessing upon us. Of course, we should be thankful. But I should have seen the danger signs. I should have gone harder in that conversation and just kind of tested him to say is that really the only reason why you think Jesus loves you because of all the stuff that God gives you because sadly things didn't keep going well for that bloke bushfires and COVID and etc etc wasn't good for his business wasn't good for his family and well now sadly he seems to have given up are you shallow soil or has the gospel taken deep root in your heart? You know deeply who Jesus is, what he's done, what is at stake. And, and you would not give up on Jesus for all the world. The path, the shallow soil. What about the third one? I think this one is by far the biggest danger for most of us. Are you the third one? Are you the thorny soil? Is your Christian faith, is it being choked out by the stuff of this world? Are you so busy doing business that you don't have time to allow God's word to soak in and bear fruit in your life? Are you so busy chasing pleasure that you don't leave time to allow God's word to soak in and bear fruit in your life? Are you so busy... He's so busy stressing about your family and your money and your better house and garden that Jesus has been crowded out of the garden of your life. As I say, friends, this one is the biggest danger for most of us, isn't it? We have to admit it. And so it's, it's something we need to be very deliberate about, very intentional about. We need to consciously carve out time to listen to God's word and let it work its way into our lives. We need to consciously, therefore, say no to stuff, even good stuff, that will crowd out God and his word. We need to protect 
protect time in God's word. Now, really, this is something that we should be making space for every day. I mean, each day we should be spending time in God's word. Each day we should be letting the seed of the gospel take root in our hearts. But let me briefly think with you about about two particular opportunities that I think are very important for us to hear God's word. Two opportunities that I believe we need to we need to be very careful about protecting. Now, I'm not a person who believes that Sunday is the Sabbath. I think that the Sabbath is fulfilled in Jesus and it it points to heaven. The fact is, like with most Christians, Sunday is the day when we do church at Chatswood. Sunday is the day when we at Chatswood Presbyterian gather together to hear from God's word and let it take root in our lives. Sunday is church day. And friends, I reckon that requires some weeding. I reckon, I reckon it means saying no to working on a Sunday if it means you miss church. I reckon it means saying no to playing sport or, or having your kids play sport on Sundays if it means you miss church. I reckon it means saying no to family events on a Sunday if it means you miss church. Sorry if that sounds offensive or legalistic. I myself am from a non-Christian family. I, I, I know what it is to offend my family by not attending events if they hold them on a Sunday because I insist on being at church week by week. But the fact is, like weeds, all of this stuff, and of course we've got good reasons why work is on a Sunday and sport is on a Sunday, and, but... but like weeds, all this stuff can so easily crowd out gathering with God's people and listening to his word. And suddenly you look back on your attendance and you're only there 50% of the time or 30% of the time. I think we need to guard Sundays. Secondly, I mean, I know that there's nothing in the Bible that says you need to attend a weekly Bible study. But the fact is, again, in our church, at Chatswood Presbyterian Church, that is the other key time where we gather together to listen carefully to God's word and encourage each other. As I said, I don't want to be offensive about this, and I know there are many people in our church not in Bible study, but in my judgment, if you don't attend a Bible study, if you can't make the space for it because of whatever reason, whether it's work or sport or family or, or whatever, I think you are almost certainly making a wrong decision. I think... You've almost certainly got your priorities wrong. You are missing out on a great opportunity to let the seed of God's word grow in your heart. Now, of course, there's two examples of church and Bible study. I think they're very important examples that our church offers to you. But, of course, it's not just about church and Bible study, is it? It's about the whole direction of our lives. We need to seriously ask ourselves and honestly ask ourselves because the light of the gospel is going to expose it at the last day. There's no point pretending. We need to seriously ask ourselves, what are we really living for? Are we living the North Shore dream? Because, friends, it is a thorny dream. It is a thorny dream that can very easily stunt your Christian growth. It is a thorny dream that can very easily choke your Christian life to death. The path, the shallow soil, 
the thorny soil. We don't want to be any of those, do we? What do we want to be? We want to be the good soil. So friend, let me ask you, are you good soil? Are you listening to God's word day by day, week by week? Has it taken deep root in your heart? Are you letting it soak in? Uh, and are you producing fruit in your work life, in your family life, in your leisure? Is the word of God working its way, uh, spreading its roots into every area of your life? Well, I'm pleased to say that uh, with the help of Alison Evans and my wife, Carmelina, I currently have two Banksias that are surviving in my garden. Alison carefully chose the right position for them. She treated the soil. She kind of built up an, an area uh, so, that, so that when they're planted, they can drain, uh, drain well and so they won't be crowded out by weeds. And, uh, and then she planted the trees. And, and so far... With Carmelina's constant care, so good. So far, so good. They're growing. They're, they're thriving. They, they, seem to be, they seem to be in good soil and they are thriving. Friend, what kind of soil are you? Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the seed of the gospel. We thank you that it is able to bear fruit in our lives. We thank you so much for the light of the gospel, that it will expose our pretense and show who we really are. We thank you that uh, the word of the gospel is able to make us your family, your kingdom. Heavenly Father, will you please help us to be like good soil. Help us to listen carefully to your word. Help us to take it to heart. Help us to put it into practice, bearing fruit, in every area of our lives, loving and serving the Lord Jesus with patience. Heavenly Father, we pray for the people among us who we know and love who are not listening or who haven't grasped deeply the message or who are letting it be crowded out. Father, will you please bring them to repentance, grant that they too might be good soil. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.